Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Allison Bobbitt, and I'm here with my husband, Mike Bobbitt. And Mike... <laughs> Did you forget my name for a second? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I was trying not to cough. Okay. <laughs> and Mike, you made me watch The World According to Garp. I did. And before I ask you what you thought of it, because I feel like I know, uh-huh. um, I'm going to do the quick rundown. Okay. World According to Garp, 1982 movie. It's adapted from the John Irving debut novel, screenplay written by Steve Tessick. It's directed by George Roy Hill. It stars Robin Williams, Glenn Close in her big film debut, John Lithgow, and Mary Beth Hurt. The story is about Jenny Fields. She despises the idea of lust and sex, but she wants to have a baby. So she works as a nurse during World War II and has a patient named Technical Sergeant Garp, who is mostly in the vegetative state. He can say his name and get erections. So one night, Jenny Fields decides to climb on top of T.S. Garp and make herself a baby. Uh, She gets pregnant. She loses her job. She starts working as the school nurse at the Steering Academy. And it's a prestigious boys' school. One of the perks is of the job is that the staff gets their children, male only, uh, to be allowed to be students there. So mm-hmm. Garp gets a top-notch education. He falls for Helen Holmes, his wrestling coach's daughter, who cares less about wrestlers than she cares about writers. So Garp decides to become a writer. He graduates from high school, and he and his mom move to New York City so they can experience life so he can begin writing. While there, she writes her manifesto about feminism called The Sexual Suspect. It becomes so popular that it starts a woman's movement. Meanwhile, Garp manages to write a much less lauded novel and lives in the shadow of his mom for the rest of his life. He and Helen get married and have two kids. He continues to write. He and Helen both have affairs. Hers ends in the youngest son, Walt, being killed in a car accident. And Garp befriends Roberta Muldoon, a trans woman who acts as Jenny's bodyguard. Jenny's killed during a rally by a sniper and a a branch of her followers called Ellen Jamesians who all cut off their tongues as a sign of solidarity over an 11-year-old girl named Ellen James who was raped and had her tongue cut out. They don't want Garp or any men at her funeral, uh, particularly Garp because he wrote 
a novel about Ellen James that does not shine a favorable light on the Ellen Jamesians. Life continues. Garp takes a job as the wrestling coach at the Steering Academy when a childhood friend turned Ellen Jamesian uh, named Pooh enters the gym and kills Garp. Yes. I got the feeling after watching this that your immediate reaction was that you did not like it, especially because there is a good five to ten minutes after Walt is killed in a car accident before we find out that he was even killed. Um, Now that you've had a few days to reflect, what are your thoughts on the world according to Garp? It was okay. I feel like it's probably a much better book. It felt really... And I feel bad shitting on it because so many people are like, I love this movie. Like, it's very beloved. Everybody is really good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, all of the acting is phenomenal. Right. It just felt like I was missing a lot. Yeah. My goal was to read the novel before we recorded this. And it is a dense novel. <laughs> it is... A little over 500 pages. Yeah, it's not a light read. I listened to an interview with John Irving, conducted by one of his friends who's a literary critic Mm -hmm. uh, and podcast host, and he kind of goofs on John Irving for... Uh, generous his generous use of semicolons because he writes <laughs> very very long sentences so a John Irving novel is not something you can skim through or speed read yeah I was feeling really bad because I've been reading this now for three weeks and I am only 275 pages yeah through. of course we also have a kid and you were very sick last week yeah but with that being said the movie is two hours and 16 minutes, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've read up to about <laughs> the <laughs> hour and 45-minute mark. Like, yeah. The last half hour is not any material that I read at all, but I did read synopsises, synopses mm-hmm. about how the book ends, and I am going to finish the book Yeah, because I'm loving the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a lot that is missing from that end there. So that's kind of what yes. I felt. I felt like this is probably something that should have been a miniseries and not a movie. Yeah. And we're going to get to that in a minute because okay. I, I definitely agree with that. It's a two hour, 16 minute movie. I think it is paced very well. There is it a is. lot of stuff that is in the movie. That's not in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, at least so far. Um, like, when he and Helen buy a house, a plane crashes into it immediately. And um, when they're looking at it with the real estate agent and Garp's like, well, it's perfect now because it's pre-disaster. The odds of it having another disaster, you know, that's not in in the, the book, book at yeah. all. So there are little moments like that. And, with, and it kind of works because the book is also a series of vignettes like that. Yeah. Both John Lithgow and Glenn Close were nominated for Supporting Star Oscars. This was Glenn Close's film debut, Mm -hmm. like I said. And John Lithgow's only big role before this was a Brian De Palma, uh, John Travolta movie called Blowout, which I've never seen. It's supposed Mm -mm. to be really great. Yeah. And this is Robin Williams' second movie after Popeye. Oh, wow. Okay. This came out right as Mork and Mindy was ending. And... 
you know, a this pretty is serious, serious role. Yeah. And we're also going to get to our top three favorite Robin Williams performances, too, before we're done with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mary Beth Hurt, her only big role before this was a Woody Allen film called Interiors. Stu Piercy, he's the dad of Cushy, mm-hmm. who's the girl that Garp loses his virginity to, and mm-hmm. Pooh, who's the person who ends up assassinating him. Uh, he's played by a guy named Walter uh, Berlinger, who is cousins with Milton Berle. Like, that's Milton Berle's real oh, last name. Oh, weird, yeah. And he plays the TV host in The Thing That You Do that we also cover oh, for the yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah. And Jenny Wright plays uh, Cushy. She's in the movie Near Dark that I really want to watch for the podcast because I think you're going to love it. It's a vampire movie, and Bill Paxton's in it, and Lance Henriksen, uh, the little kid from River's Edge. Stuart Christensen. The evil Yeah, yeah. Oh, Stuart Christensen that I worked with a long time ago Mm. also recommended Near Dark, but it is really hard to find streaming. Oh, okay. So as soon as we do, we're going to watch that. And I also like Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy, real-life Hollywood couples. Yeah, Yeah, play uh, Jenny's parents. They were together for 50 years until Jessica Tandy died, and they did 13 movies together. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. The acting in this is really good. The acting is really good. And, I mean, I feel like so many people know Robin Williams in his early career as being very much a comedic actor. But he shows you very early on, like, in this movie, he can handle a serious role. Do you know the Robin Williams beard theory? That when he has a beard is when he's serious? (laughs) Yes. yes. (laughs) He does not have a beard in this. Although in the book, uh, the character does have a beard for a while. But he shaves yeah. it off for a, a reason that's mm. kind of a plot point. He doesn't have a beard in one hour photo. Oh, okay, yeah, that's true. But he has weird glasses. Another thing <laughs> I really like this about this is the portrayal of a trans character. Yeah, it was done very respectfully, yeah. which John I think Lithgow you mentioned. plays Roberta Muldoon. Mm-hmm. And what I like about it is it's incidental that she's a trans woman. Yeah, it's not even really like, I mean... Robin Williams asks her, like, you look really familiar. And then she tells him, like, oh, I used to be a linebacker. Yeah, I used to be Robert Um, Muldoon Yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, so, like, it's, there's that, like, what's that called? That exposition there. Mm. But that's really the only time they address it. Yeah. Which is. They don't make a joke out of that. And that isn't the only aspect of the character. It is Mm -mm. such a. You know, oh, here's this character who's important. She's Garp's best friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's trans, but, you know, that has nothing to do. Yeah, it really has nothing to do with that at all, which is um, very refreshing, especially in 1982. Yeah. Um, I think that the um, like the way it was shot was really nice. Yo, I agree. Um, The cinematography was really good. And also like the set design and art direction was really good. I feel like I feel like so much of the movie is shot like outdoors. Mm -hmm. It's very like open. There's a lot of like blue skies and just like big, vast, you know, like fields or homes or it's, you know, sprawling hills or whatever. There's a lot of like the imagery is really nice in the movie, too. Like it's very pretty to look at. Yeah. In kind of a golden age sort of way, you know, Mm -hmm. like where you kind of think about like the 50s and 60s and what you thought America was then. George Roy Hill also shot The Sting 
that we got oh, to see on the big okay. screen at the Egyptian. We did. That was very and, cool. And uh, yeah, he's he's a great filmmaker. It's very he, it's yeah. very beautifully shot. I I mean, really, I feel like the main problems that I had with the movie were it just felt like there were big chunks missing. Like I didn't understand some of the stuff where I was like, why is this happening? And again, like. So Walt dies, and to me it is not clear that he dies until like five minutes later. One of the things I went to do today was count how many pages are in the book between the accident and Mm -hmm. them specifically saying that Walt died. Mm -hmm. It's at least a dozen. I also really hated that. Like, I think maybe I'm too sensitive about that right now. Yeah, you are pregnant. I am pregnant. So, and I feel like I have a hard time with any movie where a kid dies or an animal dies. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a normal thing for most people. But I'm a little hypersensitive about it at the moment. And it really bothered me. When John Irving let his son read the novel, he asked his son, like, what do you think? this is about because it does have a lot of themes but the one that his son picked up on and maybe it's because this is such a big part of John Irving's life is Mm -hmm. it's a story about the fear of death especially losing a loved one like a child yeah I want to be careful not to talk about just the book yeah it's also a story about gender politics yeah um, Mm -hmm. and what inspired John Irving was he wanted to write about the hatred of sexual minorities, whether it be women or the queer community mm-hmm. or the trans community. And I don't think that is as clear in the movie as no, it is the book. I mean, it's present, but it's not, you know, like pronounced. Mm-hmm. Those were some things that I definitely picked up on um, as far as like the inequality of like men and women as far as sex goes because he cheats on her first with their babysitter and when she says like did you seduce the babysitter he acts all pissed off like how dare you even though he fucking did and then when she has an affair he's absolutely furious with her like how fucking dare you like she is the one filled with remorse and he doesn't seem to have an issue with the fact that he cheated on his wife. But when she cheats, he's filled with rage. Yes. I don't know how much of a hand John Irving had in adapting this, but I think if he didn't have much at all, Steve Tessick kind of missed a lot of the bigger points. Mm -hmm. Because I also noticed that in omitting an entire storyline of the Garps having kind of an open relationship with another couple, Mm -hmm. That begins because the husband is having an affair with a student. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of Helen's idea that they have this open relationship mm-hmm. because she thinks she can be a better partner for the husband and will have him get over his lust for the student. Mm-hmm. So she's very matter of fact about the, the cheating. She actually finds out in the book because the wife of that husband tells her because the wife is just like oh you're so much better than my husband you'd never cheat and he's like no i i did i've i've seduced a babysitter so helen's kind of pissed off mostly because she found out through someone else yeah like he didn't tell her what i think is kind of peculiar about the way the infidelity is treated in the movie is garp gets off scot-free yeah it's like one helen cheats there are dire consequences yeah it's almost saying like 
a woman is not allowed to cheat like to a To cheat man or else you're going to ruin your family. Yes. Yeah, I really hated that part. I really hated the way that they handled that. Yeah, especially because it seems like they really wanted to focus on the... I feel like the central themes for the movie are dissecting radical feminism mm-hmm. and gender relations. And I think it really handles both kind of poorly yeah where what i really like about the novel in anything that it covers there's sort of like the through line that nothing is binary yeah nothing is black or white yeah um garp is a very patient man when it comes to lots of people like a critic or someone reads his book about the infidelity and says that he's a horrible person because he finds other people's problems funny and he writes her back like a really nice letter and explains that, you know, the old adage, um, life is a tragedy for those who feel and a comedy for those who think Mm -hmm. he basically says that he doesn't agree with that. He thinks that life can be both comedic and tragic. And he tells her a story about a wedding ceremony in India where there's like a good majority of the population is starving and a beggar sees, you know, the haves having this big, luxurious party mm-hmm. and they're getting elephants drunk and everyone starts riding a drunk elephant and it hits a power line and falls down and electrocutes the elephant and all the people and then the beggar starts laughing because he thinks it's so funny that these people died in such a ridiculous way and then the rest of the wedding party comes out and just sees this beggar laughing at their dead friends so they drown him in one of the <laughs> buckets of beer that they were giving to the elephant and he's like from a certain point of view, the beggar found that death hilarious, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they kind of try to do in the book with the car accident because they spend so much time explaining that Helen thought she bit off her tongue because there's blood in her mouth. Garp crashes into her car while yeah. she's blowing a student. Yeah. She bites his dick off. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of like, how absurd is this situation? And it's like not. It's not funny, but you can see how someone might think it's yeah. funny. Like there is like a line between Roberta and Jenny where Roberta is saying, you know, like I had mine removed also, but like under anesthesia. Right. I can't imagine, you know, what it what it must have been like for that poor guy. A way that I read it, because I think John Irving is really good at pacing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like while the span of time in the movie may not be as calculated as it is in the book. In my mind, I was reading that as it was such a horrible reality for them to face that they couldn't face it for a while. Mm -hmm. And once they were able to deal with it is when they let the viewer or the reader deal with it too. Yeah. Because it's a thing that ends up, having much more of a profound impact on book Garp because he ends up writing his first bestseller in trying to cope with the loss of Walt. Yeah. And he spends, and they do show this in the movie where he's very concerned all the time with Walt's safety Mm -hmm. with the undertow that he calls the under that Walt thinks is the undertoad. Yeah. Like there's a toad under the water that's going to pull him down. Yeah. And Duncan, the older brother, 
terrorizing Walt as death. And there's even the scene where Garp is telling Helen, like, I want to just look at the kids while they're sleeping. Yeah. And when he closes the door, there's like a drawing of death on the door, too. It's like death is always looming over Garp. Yeah. When it comes to thinking about his kids. The other thing that I didn't totally understand was Pooh seems to just have it out for Garp from the beginning. Yeah. And it's not clear why. Like... Because they don't really even interact with each other. Like, he's more into, like, as a, as a small child, like, he plays with Cushy. It's a flirtatious relationship and, and whatnot. But, I mean, Pooh just really seems to fucking hate Garp. Yeah. The whole movie. All the Piercies have names that can be, like... They could be, like, like a Like, Cushy's cartoon. name is, like, Cushman or something like that. Yeah. So they call her Cushy. And all the brothers have names that can have, like, the e sound at the name mm-hmm. at the end but they named Pooh bainbridge which you can't call her like baney or bridgy or anything like that so they end up calling her Pooh, and it's not so much in the book that she has an issue with garp as much as it is that she just doesn't fit in even in her own family yeah but there isn't the vendetta when garp and cushy have sex Pooh isn't there watching yeah that was weird i was still really surprised that she was the one who kills him yeah Pooh sees garp at the funeral the the women's funeral for or memorial for jenny um he's dressed as a woman to try to blend in you know Pooh realizes that it's him and and calls him out so he gets chased out and i'm like well that was you can kind of tell that she doesn't have a tongue anymore because she can't say the guh Mm-hmm. She just goes arp arp, you know. But even then, I'm like, well, why? Like, why did she kill him? Why would someone who's trying to protest violence then commit this ultimate act of violence? It made no sense to right. me. Right, and that's one of the things in the book is, you know, talking about how, like I was saying, with you know, Garp is super patient, but when it comes to like Helen calling while he's cooking, he answers the phone, sort of like, what the fuck do you want i'm cooking you know like he doesn't have patience for his own wife like he does for strangers and Mm -hmm. helen with the husband that they have the open relationship with he ends up getting fired because he was having an affair with a student and Mm -hmm. she's just like well you shouldn't have sex with the student and then she ends up having sex with the student yeah it does kind of explore hypocrisy of people yeah i guess that's true the whole Ellen Jamesian thing is handled much differently in the book, mm-hmm. which I think it's a shame that they didn't do this because they had a great actress playing Ellen James in the movie. Yeah. Um, Honey Bunny from uh, Pulp Fiction. Why am I blanking on her name? I know she's a famous actress and I can't think of mm-hmm. her name either. Uh, so I married an axe murder. Hold on. Um, Hold on. Give me initials. Don't tell me her name. AP. Amanda... Mm-hmm. It's a pretty famous last name. Plummer. Yep. Oh, yeah, Amanda Plummer. She's Christopher Plummer's daughter. Exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't know that until I looked it up for... Because you I didn't? To, really? Yeah, I didn't know, like... Oh, I weird. went to see how much acting she did before this. I had no idea she was Christopher Plummer's daughter. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I know, and she's really not in this much. She's... No, but she. The, character in the book you keep talking about the book even though this is a movie thing because you have to stop i do like the movie but i also 
acknowledge that you are not wrong about the movie at all. And I don't think it's a movie that I want to own or anything, but I probably will rewatch it again someday. Yeah. Um, It's kind of shitty that in the movie, Ellen James writes to Jenny Fields and tells her, please tell them to stop. Yeah. Like, don't protest. Yeah. On on my behalf in this way, it's right. barbaric because they all yeah they all cut out their, their tongues, tongues because and that's another one of the dark comedy things. The rapist cut out her tongue when she's eleven years old and they raped her because they were like, well now she can't tell the police who we are. She can still fucking write. She can fucking write. Yeah, you dumbass. So they still get busted. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't like. They have given up something that she wishes she had a voice. Yes. And she hates this constant reminder of this tragic event that happened to her when she was 11 years old. Yeah, like being defined by the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. Yeah, she's like 20 now. Yeah. And she doesn't want to be reminded all the time by these radical feminists that have all cut out their tongues in her quote-unquote honor. Mm -hmm. In the movie, Garp writes the the Ellen James story. Yeah. And he's very critical of the Ellen Jamesians, you know. But in a way, he's also exploiting, doing doing the same thing that they are to her. In the book, however, sorry, but in the book, he and Helen adopt her. Okay. And she wants to write, and he encourages her to write, and she writes her own story. Oh, okay. And he gets it published, Mm -hmm. which infuriates the Ellen Jamesians. So that is why yeah. he took someone special from them. Okay. I don't know. Like I said, I mean, the acting's really good in it. Everybody's really good in it. It looks nice. It just feels like there's all, there's so much missing. And I feel like some of the themes are just not necessarily handled in the best way. Yeah. Like this- it's not, for for a movie that really totes or touts, having this strong female lead or co-lead anyway, who's this radical feminist, they sure do make women look like shit quite a bit in this movie. They do. And which bums me out. John Irving writes in the third person Mm -hmm. up until his last couple of novels, I guess. What's kind of nice about that is the first hundred pages of this is Jenny Field's story. Like you find out her entire backstory, her, Family's incredibly wealthy. Yeah. The Fields Shoe Company makes practical shoes like for nurses Mm -hmm. and stuff. And she's a nurse. All of her siblings live lives of status, but she wants to work. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of just touch on it briefly in the movie where they give you the first sentence of her book, Sexual Suspect, is in this dirty minded world. You're either somebody's wife or somebody's whore or fast on your way to becoming one or the other. If you don't fit into either category, then everyone tries to make you think that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want to live this life of luxury. She mm-hmm. wants to work. Yeah. She wants to be a nurse. She wants to have a baby, but she doesn't want to have a husband. Yeah. And all these things make her a sexual suspect. Like what's wrong with her? Yeah. Um, Her parents think that she's whoring around and her mom keeps buying her what she says are water bottles but they're really douchebags and her landlady comes in and sees a closet full of douchebags and is like oh she's a whore and kicks her out of her apartment yeah 
you know, they didn't have the language for it back when it was written, but I think the character, in addition to being asexual, is probably also on the autism spectrum somewhere. Like, the novel starts with her slicing open a soldier's arm who tries to grope her in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And, like, to the bone. And he's bleeding out in the lobby of the movie theater, and she goes, and she's like, oh, well, let me fix him up. I'm a nurse. And, you know, he's, like, recoiling in horror, and she's like, what? You know, what? Yeah. Like, she just doesn't get it, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of funny, too. Like, the reason she dresses as a nurse always is, uh, in the book, she, they go to Vienna instead of New York. Mm-hmm. And people mistake her for a prostitute because she doesn't know how to dress herself. So oh, she's no. embarrassed by that and just decides to wear a nurse's uniform for the rest of her life. Oh, okay. That's another thing that the movie dropped the ball on, I think. The prostitute in the movie is played by Swoozy Kurtz mm-hmm. and is an unnamed prostitute. She's titled as prostitute. Mm-hmm. And she was really just there as a joke, more or less. Like she explains a little bit about, you know, prostitution to Jenny. Yeah. And then there's a scene where she and Garp cross paths. And I think Helen's like, how do you know her? And Garp's yeah. like, you know like uh, some lady that character in the book is named charlotte she's an older uh prostitute in vienna and becomes a mother figure to garp Mm -hmm. they end up grocery shopping together every week and spending a lot of time together Mm -hmm. she ends up getting i believe ovarian cancer and he visits her while she's in the hospital dying Mm -hmm. and she is a much more important figure in his life a mother figure teaching him about the things that jenny just was not capable of teaching yeah. him of. and it's kind of sad that that's omitted from the movie yeah well yeah i'm uh, to be fair to be fair, to be fair it, it's so clear to me that there's just so much that was missed or removed for it to be a movie because you know it's still over two hours. Like, that's a pretty long movie. Yeah. It really should have just been a miniseries. But yeah. I realized at the time that didn't happen as much. You know, like, we have right. all of these limited series now. Um, yeah, because of the subject matter, this couldn't have been a made-for-television no. series at the time. Like, Roots or Shogun or, yeah. you know. I mean, min- I mean, series were a thing, you know, like Lonesome Dove or whatever. But it was... Very much, I feel like now it could be a miniseries. And that was one of the things that I asked you about today. Because I knew I wasn't going to be able to argue with any of your faults about the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's a phenomenal book. I hope that if you have any interest in it, I hope that you read the book. Mm Because I am going to go as far as to say it may be my new favorite book. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I really love it. I relate to the book Garp a lot more than the movie Garp because the movie Garp does not come off as a likable character at all. No, not particularly. I mean, I think people love Robin Williams. Yeah, I think that was Um, the key. And that is kind of where his likability is very much hinged on. Yep. But yeah, like he's kind of an asshole for no reason sometimes. I felt like this would make a much better like... HBO Max series or something like that. Yeah. So I asked you earlier today if you would think about who you would cast yes. in something like this. So I only came up with um, ideas for young Garp, adult Garp, young Helen, adult Helen, Roberta, 
young Jenny and adult and older Jenny. Okay, so I only did like adult Garp, adult Helen, adult Jenny, and Roberta. Okay, I think you're gonna like all of mine. Okay. And if we're not on the same page with Roberta, I will be shocked. Okay. Do you want to start? Sure. So for T.S. Garp, my pick was Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out and Nope. Okay. I feel like he's a good age where you could make him look pretty young. I mean, not like a child, but you could make him look youngish. And you could also age him up a little bit. So my picks are kind of... Yeah, it is kind of funny that that a a lot of... I saw a review of this where they talk about Garp being in college. Steering Academy is a a school, a boy's school. It's, you know, there's child Garp, but most of what we're seeing is him in high school when Robin Williams in real life was 29 years old. Yeah, they had to like wax his entire body. (laughs) Yeah. It's so random. Um, But yeah, I feel like, um, because I mean, Get Out came out, what, maybe five, six years ago and Mm -hmm. Daniel Kaluuya looked so young. And I mean, I think he still looks really young, but he could also play older. For Helen Holm, I picked Kamiko Glenn, who was Brooke Soso in Orange is the New Black, the Asian um, inmate. Yeah. Who ends up with Pusey. Mm -hmm. Because I just feel like she can handle like being sweet and, you know, kind, but also like very emotional and. I don't know. I just felt like she could handle Helen's role. For Jenny Fields, I picked Tracy Ellis Ross. Who's that? Tracy Ellis Ross. She's in Blackish. Um, she's Diana Ross's do- daughter. Oh, wow. So she's like the. She plays Rainbow in Blackish. Is that the. She's not the mom? She's the mom in Blackish. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. But like she would be the mom. Like she'd be Jenny. Okay. Um, and she's not all that much old. I think she's in her 50s. Okay. So she's not Glenn all- Close is four years older than Robin Williams. I know. Yeah. But I also feel like um, Tracy Ellis Ross looks younger than she is. Yeah. So she could play younger and then they could just work with her. I want to back up and say younger than Robin Williams was. I realize on the podcast when I'm editing that I refer to a lot of people who are past in the present tense and it makes me wonder <laughs> in my mind anytime i like misspeak joe apel's listening going does mike not know that robin williams is dead <laughs> you know? so oh so yeah i guess i kind of cast people you know so that they could play like 20s 30s 40s okay um or you know like 30s 40s 50s kind of like they could play a range of ages um, and then for Roberta Muldoon, I picked Laverne Cox. Of course you did. Well, because, you know, at first I was like, well, that seems like a really obvious choice. But then I was like, well, she's so amazing in Orange is the New Black. And I actually also watched her in um, Inventing Anna. Okay. And she's pretty funny in it. And, you know, I mean, it's a very campy show, but she's really good in it. You know, it's kind of funny because I went Laverne Cox for Roberta as well, and then thought, wow, that's really on the nose. Right. So I was looking up other trans actresses, and you got to give it to the best person. And it's Laverne Cox. It is Laverne Cox. Someone were to make She's tall. She's athletic. Like, she could be someone who was a football player. 
the whole idea of the Roberta character acting as Jenny's bodyguard is she is feminine. Yes. But also has that air of don't fuck with her. Yeah. And Laverne Cox has that. She does. Yeah. And, you know, her her role in Orange is the New Black, I mean, she really had to go through, like, I mean, she's so stunning, so amazing on that show. I just, she can handle it. Like, she yeah. can totally handle a role like this. I was also very curious about how people, you know, it's kind of hard for us to say as a cis male and cis female how well Roberta Muldoon's character is handled. So I ended up finding a podcast that specializes or in trans portrayal in media mm-hmm. and the host is a trans female and the guest for this episode was non-binary mm-hmm. and they both agreed that they wish that they had seen this sooner because seeing a character portrayed this way in something that came out in the early 80s yeah would have just maybe made them feel a little better yeah, about who they are yeah and- just made them feel represented. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm not alone in this world. No. Here is this yeah. character who's like me. Yeah. All right. So who are your picks? For Jenny, I'm going older Jenny. I'm going Glenn Close. And then younger Jenny, I am going with Annie Stark, who is Glenn Close's real life daughter and looks exactly like her. Yeah. To I've seen Glenn her. Close when she was younger. I have yeah. seen her. Yes. For adult Helen, I'm going Emma Stone. And for young Helen, I'm going Sadie Sink. Oh, okay. Yeah, from uh, Stranger Uh, Things. Stranger Things, yep. For adult Garp, because I think you really need that likability. And this is clearly autobiographical because the way Garp is described in the book is like a small, like a short, muscular, stocky guy. John Irving is 5'7". And in real life was a wrestling wrestler yeah yeah. and in the movie plays the wrestling referee yeah yeah um so this guy doesn't really have a wrestler's body but he is one of those people who is instantly likable okay and i want to see him do something really serious um andy samberg oh okay because i think child garp which is what i came up with first i was like you need a kid that's a little stinker but Mm -hmm. has charisma yeah. So I first came up with Young Garp, and then I cast Older Garp based off of this. Younger Garp, I have, and I think you're going to love this, uh, Gaten Matazaro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I could see him growing up yeah, to be an Andy Samberg. Yeah, because he is very charming and, like, yeah. you know, goofy, but incredibly charismatic and charming. Yeah. Yeah. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine has some serious moments on it, and Andy Samberg yeah. can do it. No, he can't. Honestly, I think that comedic actors sometimes don't get taken seriously. And so, you know, you you end up kind of missing these really phenomenal performances. Like Palm Springs, like he has some pretty serious scenes in that. Oh, yeah, that's true. And he's really good. Like he can handle serious stuff, you know. People always oh. act so surprised when they see comedic actors like be really good in serious movies. And I'm Now like, I want to find a, a different, younger... Helen, because Kristen Milioti would be great for an adult. Uh, oh, the oh. chemistry of the two of them together. Yeah, the in two that of them was... was great. All right. Okay, I get it. Your choices mean you're more woke than I am. Well, I just really liked, I got stuck on um, Daniel Kaluuya, and I was like, man, he would be really good. What's funny is we both have recency bias because we both 
got done watching Stranger Things and saw Nope. And yeah, and we just saw Nope. So yep. yeah, part of it is definitely like it's. I just saw a movie with him, and I thought he was really good in it. <laughs> yeah. At least you didn't say Kiki Palmer for Helen. I know. No, I was like, mm, who do I think? And I just didn't want it to be a white lady. So I'm like. Who would be good? Who would be good? And yeah. I then I was like, oh, yeah, there's um, Kamiko Glenn, who I would love to see her in more stuff. Yeah. Because I think she's really good. Yeah. I think this is a phenomenal Robin Williams performance. It really is. He's very good in it. The other thing I asked you today was top three Robin Williams films. Do you want to do, do you have them three, two, one? Yeah, I have three, two, one. Okay, let's do our number threes first. You go first. Number, number three. three. Hook. Which I've never seen. <gasps> We'll have to watch it. It's so good. I love it. Okay. Okay. My number three is What Dreams May Come. Okay. I've just seen parts of it. I haven't oh, seen Oh, it's such a sad, sad movie. Yeah, I know. I know it's a sad-ass movie. You know I love sad movies. I, fucking, I know you love sad-ass movies. Spoiler alert. All of my Robin Williams movies are sad-ass I'm movies. I'm not even surprised. All right. What's your number, number two? Two, 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 two? Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Which I have also never seen. Peak Robin Williams slapstick hilarity. Is the movie sort of problematic? Yes. Because he is deceiving his ex-wife through the entire thing. But love it. I think Chris Columbus directed it. Yes. And I just read a quote recently about how he said he could have easily put together six different movies with the footage that he got of Robin Williams I believe from it. that. But tonally... They would have been all over the place. So really, he could only put together this one, you know. That sounds Because right. there's a rumor that there's a hard R version of Mrs. Doubtfire. But I'm sure there is. Yeah. If you see, like, Robin Williams bloopers or, like, Robin Williams outtakes, like. Oh, yeah. Like, even the He gets bloopers, raunchy, yeah. Yeah, he even gets raunchy in front of the kids in Jumanji. He does. In the, in the outtakes. In, I believe it. My number two is a movie that I believe your dad recommended for the podcast or said that he really enjoyed maybe it wasn't your dad maybe it was some other uh handsome old dude <laughs> okay fisher king oh yeah no it was my dad okay i haven't seen it you haven't seen it Mm-mm. oh it's really good okay well, i would say it's my second favorite <laughs> would you yeah all right are you ready for my number one actually i just stick with what you have no i i am okay. but i'm i'm gonna say Garp may be my favorite Robin Williams movie, okay. but I I feel like only because of you're the reading book. the book. Yeah. Well, then that's not your favorite movie. It's your favorite book. All right, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Dead Poet Society. Ooh, that's a good one that I forgot about. I love that movie so much. I watched oh. it for the first time when I was in high school. My creative writing teacher, Mr. Moore, was like, we're oh. watching this. And uh, broke my heart in a million pieces, but I fucking love it. That's definitely top five for me. It's such a good movie. Yeah. Okay, my number one favorite Robin Williams, Goodwill Hunting. I've never seen it all the way through. What? I know. Isn't that terrible? Like, I feel like I started it about three or four times and either got interrupted or, like, ran out. Of, like, I, I don't know. I've seen like the very beginning and then I've seen some scenes, but I have never seen it all the way through. You realize we came up with six Robin Williams movies and there was only one movie that we had both seen. Yeah, that's fucking insane. That is insane. Well, at least we have some more movies to choose from for the podcast. Got to add some to the list. Yep. All right. Hmm. Hmm. 
really bum Allison now and watch another movie about death. Oh my god. Wait till I'm not pregnant anymore, please. Yeah. I'm a little hypersensitive at the moment. Oh my god. How does my elbow look, by the way? Does it look all right? Yeah, it looks fine. Okay, friends, I need to share this with you. And this is literally just because my brain is mush. I hit my elbow really hard this morning getting out of the car. And I almost passed out. And apparently that is a thing. Because, like, your funny bone in your elbow has that, is it vasovagal syncope? I don't know. Every time we say vagal, I keep thinking lady parts. Vaginas. But it's kind of like how you have that, like, feeling in your ear, right? Is it the same thing? Like, how it feels really good when you stick a Q-tip in there? So, it's like that nerve or whatever runs through your elbow as well. And if you hit it really hard, you can pass out. So... If you two hit your elbow really fucking hard, sit down or or lay in the survival position on your side so that you don't fall and get really hurt. I had to sit down. You realize you are the only person in the history of history who has ever hit your funny bone so hard you almost knock yourself out. It's not true. So this public service announcement that you just issued is really just for yourself. You know what? The internet told me that a lot of other people have had it happen to them too. And you know what? Now I feel like karma is going to make you hit your elbow really fucking hard. Where did you read that? On makeallisonfeelbetter.org? It was on the Googles, all right? Mm -hmm. So Google said... There was even a thing from the Mayo Clinic, so fuck you. Okay. I have a couple things to end on. (laughs) Okay. Did Um, you prepare a statement? Right. Um, (laughs) Other ways that Garp is totally John Irving. Mm -hmm. John Irving did not know who his real life dad was for the longest time, and his mom was like, just use your imagination, make something up. So a lot of his early novels up until in real life, he meets his dad biological dad's family Mm -hmm. um he does invent father figures oh interesting both garp and john irving were born in the 1940s Mm -hmm. both of them lived in vienna for a year and a half oh garp's publisher in the book and movie is named john wolf in real life (laughs) that's funny in real life john irving's publisher is named joe fox That's so funny. And then I thought this would be fun for you, too, because I know it is such a bummer. Uh, The book does include an epilogue, kind of like uh, Animal House, where you find out what happens to each of the characters. Okay. Duncan Garp ends up becoming an artist and illustrates one of T.S. Garp's book for him. That's very sweet. He also falls in love with one of Roberta's trans friends and... They get married. Oh, that's and, sweet. you know, Duncan never wanted to have kids, so that is not an issue for him. Yeah. He um, helps finish uh, his dad's final novel and uh, gets it published. Mm-hmm. Jenny Garp, the daughter who the they daughter, have after yeah. Walt, becomes a doctor and heads a cancer program and becomes a student at the Steering Academy because... Uh, progress. Integrated. Women are allowed to start going to the steering academy. Cool. She also ironically dies of cancer later in life when she's very old. Uh, what the know, fuck, John Irving? God damn it. Yeah, Ellen James <sighs> drowns because of the undertoad. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't want to hear the rest of this. This is just a bunch of tragedies. Roberta, well, the book is about death. 
Roberta and John Wolf actually end up having an affair a couple of times, which I think is kind of cool. That is kind of cool. Yeah. And Helen and Roberta end up becoming best friends. They travel together all the time. Well, they kind of were already sort of best yeah. friends. And they don't really say how Roberta dies, but Helen outlives her and says that when she dies, Helen ages 20 years. How poetic is that? How absolutely poetic. You know exactly what that means. I do. Uh... Yeah. Pooh is institutionalized after murdering Garp and rehabilitated and ends up having kids of her own. And... I mean, obviously, that's the goal of prison. I mean, not yeah. necessarily. That's not necessarily put into practice, but I mean, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, see, a lot of the people do live ripe old ages. Well, that's very nice that you've continued to talk about the book. I love you so much. <laughs> I was really looking for a podcast that covered the differences between the movie and the mm-hmm. book, and I didn't really find any. So I am kind of happy that this will be one of the first ones out there. Yeah. I highly recommend the book. I do hope that you read it. There's a lot of death. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly my problem right now. I don't think I can handle it. Okay. I hope you read it sometime in 2024 yeah let me give birth and deal with some hormone stuff first yeah because you become an insane person after you have a baby for a little bit you know what even mine is hormones like i am in constant fear of benji's health i'm in constant Mm -hmm. fear of your health especially while you're pregnant right now oh my god because i am so clumsy i am so scared that i'm gonna bump into you really hard or that i'm gonna like elbow you really hard or something because I'm such a klutz I am living in constant fear honey I know I'm okay but I get it I think maybe that's why Garp is resonating with me so strongly right now because it does cover the constant fear of being a parent yeah oh yeah no being a parent is fucking terrifying I worry about our son constantly yeah all right well if you saw the world according to Garp, or yeah, will you guys tell me what you like? What specifically you love about it? Because I'm having a hard time, and I feel bad because when we announced that that's what we were watching, so many people were like, "Oh my god, I love it! It's like my favorite movie." And I'm just like, I don't feel that way. <laughs> Can you? It's okay. You don't have yeah. to like things that. Everyone but I do. Likes. I do kind of want to hear people out and hear. Sorry, my voice is terrible. I do want to hear people out and hear like why you're wrong. Yeah. Not why I'm wrong, but like what they love about it. Because I feel like if I can, you know, like hear that from people, maybe it will help, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of help me process it more. It's so hard for me to talk about the movie as a standalone thing because what? (laughs) Such. You are such a rotten human being. <laughs> I am your wife. Yes, and a rotten human being. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> so continue. You can't stop talking about the book. The book covers the idea <laughs> when Garp isn't writing, uh-huh. is he still a writer? Like he's always dealing with that identity crisis. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's something I relate to all the time. If I'm not doing stand-up as regularly as I always was, can I consider myself still a stand-up? Like, I know I can get up on stage. Like, if I had to get up on stage right now... You could do it. I could do it, and I know that I could hold an audience for... Like, if I had to go right now, 
mm-hmm. I'm confident that I could hold them for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and, you know, pull it out of my ass. Yeah. If I had an hour to think about it, I'm sure I could hold an audience for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, I get that constant, like, self-doubt mm-hmm. that he has. And and I also really like the theme of, they say it in the movie, too. Like, Jenny's book isn't terribly good. Yeah. But it's something that it's everyone something. is going to read. Yeah, because it it evokes, you know, like, feelings. Yes. It, it, it causes a stir, you know. Yep. It's controversial. Garp is a great writer. Mm-hmm. But his books are not that popular they're until he ends up writing about pleasing. Walt's death. Yeah. yeah, because they're good. They're, you know. And Helen is, you know, she says, you know, she's not a writer. She's a reader and she'll always be a reader. She loves reading. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny when she ends up hooking up with Michael Milton, the student. She's like, yeah, you know, he's handsome and young and he writes, but... He's never going to be a great writer. He's never going to write as well as Garp. And it's kind of funny that that is such an important thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, he's he's nice to look at, but, you know, he's never going to be as talented. Yeah. I, I just kind of like the emphasis. Mm-hmm. Did I put the right emphasis on the right syllable? <sighs> you didn't. On the importance of art. Okay. And that is why I don't like Paul Simon's solo work. Oh. Because <laughs> of the absence of art. How dare you? Garfunkel. Well. And oats. Well, I'm really glad that we were able to come to your TED Talk about the book. <laughs> <laughs> um, In 39 years, that is the funniest thing you've ever said. <laughs> How dare you? Like you don't need to ever say another word for the rest of your life because you're never gonna top that. <laughs> that was hilarious. Thank and you. Cutting, and I love you. Brilliant. I love you too. I love you ten times more <laughs> for making that like total like burn on me. Um, All right. Uh, join us next week as we find out what piece of shit Allison makes me watch. It's gonna be a piece of shit. So. I can't wait. I bet. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to You Made Me Watch. Yes. The World According to Garp, According to Mike. About the book by John Irving. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>